I'm Natalie Liu, and you're listening to the Baggage Reclaim Sessions. Hello, 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 hello. How are you doing? So over the last few episodes, I've got into some pretty deep topics. So I've talked about forgiveness. There was the lean period and how that is behind a a cycle of obsessing. And last week I talked about lies. Over these few weeks, I've heard from quite a few people who do that sort of yeah, but no, but yeah thing. So yes, they have lied to me a lot, but maybe it's just because like they're just so embarrassed about whatever the lie is, even if the lie is like completely absurd and like totally unnecessary. They're wondering, you know, maybe it's because they were afraid to tell me. Maybe it's because they were nervous. Maybe it's because they were shy. Maybe it's because they had a difficult time in their previous relationships. Or yes, they are not the person they portrayed themselves to be. But, you know, maybe if I just give it enough time, they will see how supportive and loving I am, how they don't need to be so afraid, how they can, you know, relax and be themselves. Or, yeah, okay, um, I, you know, I'm not particularly happy in this relationship or situation, but, you know, they've had a lot going on. So, like, that's why they're treating me badly. You know, that's why they're not able to give me what I, I need and want. So, you know, ipso facto, when the, their situation improves, when, when their circumstances improve, when they're feeling better about themselves and they will treat me better. So many people think that these instances are examples of how empathetic they are. And it's not that they are not empathetic, but actually what they're doing, what they're engaging in is over empathy. And over-empathy is why we get ourselves into a hell of a lot of problems. It's why we wake up knee-deep in painful, painful situations where we feel as if we've lost ourselves and we don't know where we end and others begin. Empathy is about being able to put ourselves in another person's shoes and get a sense of what they might be thinking and feeling or what they might have gone through, even if we have no experience of it. We don't have to agree with their position, but we do have to acknowledge that they have one, that they have one of their own and that they are different to us. So, for example, uh, I hear from quite a few people who, for instance, have lost a pet, who have been through a divorce and they come up against some really, really uh, sort of thoughtless uh, responses from people. There's some people going like, what's wrong with you? Like, why would you get so upset over your cat dying? Or, yeah, do you know what? So you got divorced. You, I'm sure you'll be fine. You'll be back with, you'll, you'll be out and about dating somebody next week. Or, or you're going to die old and alone with a whole load of cats feasting on you. So there's a lack of empathy there. Now, the thing is, no, these people might not have ever lost a pet or they may never have been for a divorce. But every single human has been through some form of loss. Even if we haven't, for instance, lost somebody really close to us in terms of a bereavement, 
We've probably been for a breakup. We may have gone for a job loss. There's something in our life that we have had to let go of, even if we didn't want to, even if we were not ready yet. That is loss. We've all been disappointed. So this is where uh, we have our hopes and expectations and in reality. And it's the gap between those that is disappointment. These are all forms of loss. So we don't need to have gone for exactly what the other person has gone through, but we can get a sense of how they might be feeling. Another example of where things can go a bit off-piste as such is uh, with bereavements. So we see that somebody has lost a loved one and because of our awkwardness, around uh, loss, around talking about our feelings. Maybe it's a bit too close to home, maybe because of our own experiences. We start to behave a bit weirdly around them. Maybe we cross the street. Maybe we never, ever ask how they're doing. Maybe we are trying to avoid stepping into any conversation that might actually uh, sort of tip on the subject of their loss. All of these are examples of where we're maybe not being as empathetic as we could be. Now, of course, we're all human, right? Nobody's perfectly empathetic. We all get it wrong at times. But where we really need to check in with ourselves about empathy is on over empathy. Now, this is where we put ourselves in what we think is the other person's shoes and then we project our own stuff onto it, including our agenda. So let me give you an example of over empathy in action. In fact, let me give you a few examples. So a really, really common one is when I talk to people who are in really unhealthy relationships where, for instance, they're experiencing abuse and the person is blaming them for it. And then when they explore why they can't leave the relationship or why they keep giving the person chances. They're like, well, they had a difficult childhood. They experienced abuse in childhood or neglect. They um, are going through a difficult time at work. Their last partner didn't treat them very, very well. They've been in a string of unhealthy relationships. So that's why they're being that way. And I just need to try to be a little bit more empathetic and supportive. Now, here's the irony in these situations. Very often, the same people who are using this rationale have also experienced their own difficulties earlier on in life. The difference between them and the person who is being abusive towards them is that they aren't doing that. So they have similar experiences. Certainly they have painful experiences in their past. They've experienced maybe some level of abuse and neglect themselves, but they're not going around abusing somebody else and saying, oh, well, it's your fault. And by the way, I had this, this and this go on in my past. So you can't basically turn around and do anything to me. I've also found as well that another reason why we can be very over empathetic in these situations is because if we don't actually have that experience that they've been through. So let's say we had a relatively happy childhood, 
We didn't go through, for instance, the abuse and neglect that a partner has gone through. We actually start to feel guilty and ashamed for having had a relatively happy childhood. And so this person taps into our misplaced guilt and exploits the hell out of it. And we sometimes then, I think, fall into the trap of going, well, hold on a second, like, I haven't been through what they've been through. And so maybe I'm just not being accommodating and generous enough to this person. Maybe I'm not being as understanding and supportive and empathetic. And so it's like we start giving this person a free pass to basically do whatever the hell they want to do in their relationship. And the trouble with this is that this is where we overcompensate. Uh, so this is something else that I know that I've talked about on the podcast, as well as I wrote a post about it on the blog, which I will link to. And this is where we see, I mean, this is the over empathy in action, but this is where we recognize that the person is not actually stepping up to the relationship in the way in which we would like. We realize that our needs are not being met. And so what we do is we overcompensate to fill in the gaps of this other party. Now, the problem with this is that it, once we start doing that, we're now taking on the responsibility of the success and failure of the relationship. And so because we're overcompensating, as soon as things go wrong, as soon as the relationship ends, we then take a sole responsibility for the end of the relationship because we took sole responsibility for the success of it. That is over empathy. We recognize potential factors that may be contributing to a person's behavior. And yes, okay, sometimes we do actually make them up. And then we go into this people pleasing, efforting mode, you know, trying super duper duper hard so that we can help them and heal them or fix them or change them. Another example, and actually I wrote about this back in 2012. This was a really, really popular post. So I'll make sure I link to it in the show notes. And it is when we get involved with somebody who is not over their ex. And it goes a little something like this. So we meet someone, maybe we feel a connection, an attraction. Maybe we go on a series of dates and maybe even embark on a relationship. And in spite of what appear to be shared core values in terms of character, um, shared core values in terms of direction, it becomes apparent that this person is not over their ex. They are still harboring a lot of, for instance, anger towards them. They're still very emotionally affected by this person, so much so that they're bringing it into this relationship. They are not ready to be fully present to a new relationship with us. Now, at this point, we could decide, do you know what? And this would be the empathy. I know what it's like to have been, you know, broken up with. I know what it's like to be in pain. And I actually also know what it's like to want to avoid that and to, and to be thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to like start something else. And I really, really like this person. And I know how difficult that can be. And so even though I really, really like this person, I'm going to do myself a favor and this person a favor and walk away from this situation. Now, I mean, there's a whole lot of other things that we could say on the empathy line of things there. But 
we 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 call it we see the situation for what it is and we we bow out gracefully now with over empathy we register the fact that this person is not over their ex and suddenly all of our experiences of not being over our ex, of being broken up with, of somebody turning around and, and saying, oh, actually, I'm going to, you know, start seeing other people. We start bringing all of our stuff into it. And next thing you know, our rationale is, Do you know what, I'm going to I'm going to keep going. I don't want I don't want to be dumped. It's really painful to be dumped by somebody. And maybe he or she just needs, you know, some 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 sympathy, some understanding. Uh, they don't want to be left. I know that if I stick this out, you know, we've been having a good time together. Why would I walk away now, even though they're not ready for a relationship and they're not over their ex? If I just give it enough time and, and hold out, everything will work out. What if I listen to to what my intuition is telling me here, listen to what the situation is telling me and I walk away and then they take up with somebody else next week. And so we stay. And the thing is, in these situations, right, we're bound to feel very resentful and dejected and rejected if we feel as if we can't outperform, outshine this 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 person from their past and it'll be like well hold on a second I'm the one who's here why would you be pining for them when I'm here but the thing is is due to our over empathy we've basically opted into a situation where we can't have our emotional needs met where we've basically made ourselves second best as a result of remaining involved Something I have come across quite a bit from people who come to me about work situations is where there is somebody, it could be a boss, the owner of the company, the manager, whatever, but where that person has had some level of difficulty and as a result, their uh, staff have taken to not addressing certain situations not addressing boundary issues because of what they perceive to be this person's problems. Now, to give a very real example of this, a friend of mine started working at a company a few months ago and the owner of the company had had some personal difficulties. And so unbeknownst to her, she was walking into a hornet's nest. And what had been going on before she got there was that this woman was being and doing things that were very, very much over the line. But everybody was just going along with it. One, because she was the owner of the company. And two, because of like, oh, well, she's been through this and this and this and this. And so a culture started to emerge from this situation due to the omission of all the things that people were not saying and doing. My friend rocks up to this place to work. And gradually find that she is experiencing some incredibly inappropriate behavior. She goes to speak to her manager about it and appears to have support. But what was actually happening is that this culture of not saying anything was continuing. And now what had happened is the situation was so bad with my friend that there was going to be like this collision course of like, oh my gosh, this is all going to come to a head. 
She kept trying to address the situation. She thought she was addressing the situation, but what was happening is that they was, she was speaking to her manager about it and trying to get it addressed. But actually, nothing was really being communicated between the manager and the owner who was actually basically engaging in this harassment. And so the situation eventually blew up. Now, what has happened there is, okay. the boss has been through some personal difficulty, but because the staff have allowed that to cloud their judgment around boundaries and what actually amounts to legal issues in the company, it has created this horrible, horrible atmosphere and situation where new staff members and possibly even existing staff members are experiencing bullying and harassment. That is over empathy because the manager isn't stepping up to do what they need to do because they're going, oh, well, they've had this and they've had that. And as a result, they failed in their duty towards other staff members. So as you can see, we can be aware of how someone's actions, for instance, are really contributing to us being in in a subpar relationship, a relationship that is not fulfilling our needs and desires. But we resist having the boundaries that we need to because we think that if we walk away, then we are abandoning that person, that we are hurting them. And there's actually a part of us in that situation that I think is feeling sorry for ourselves as well. So for our past selves and mixing up the two things. We can look at these situations and be like, well, all I want is to be loved. And I would be so much happier if someone, you know, was willing to give me a chance and to show me like their devotion. So I'm going to do that for this person. And boom, next thing you know, we're in a relationship where it feels like there is the ghost of somebody else like lingering around. And we ignore then code red alerts that we are not in a situation that can fulfill our emotional needs, that we are not with somebody who we are compatible with for the relationship that we want. Because at the end of the day, look, it's all very well, for instance, meeting somebody who, yes, we do uh, share core values in terms of character. And, you know, there's certainly, you know, we're both interested in going in the same direction in terms of how we each want to lead our lives. But if that person's not over their ex, you can't do anything with that because they're not emotionally available for the relationship that we want. When we are with somebody who tries to basically make us take the blame for their feelings and behavior, we end up walking on eggshells. And it is really only over time when we just become a a shadow of our former selves, where we eventually, hopefully come to recognize that we're not responsible for their feelings and behavior. And when we start to acknowledge our choices, so for instance, we might have moved too quickly into this relationship, maybe moved into this relationship for the wrong reasons. That is empathy because we're empathizing with ourselves and we're recognizing the situation for what it is. And that then gives us the option to recognize what it is that we need to do. And don't get me wrong, I accept that it isn't easy to speak up, to stand up about an unpleasant situation at work. 
Some of us worry about our livelihood, our future at a company. However, passively contributing to a situation where somebody is, for instance, being marginalized, bullied, harassed, it's still contributing. And the contribution is actually by omission. That's what a lot of passive behavior is about. It's about the omission, what we are not doing. And at the end of the day, yes, people are going through difficulties, right? It's very possible that the manager who is harassing and bullying somebody at work is having a difficult time at home, but it doesn't actually change the fact that they're bullying and harassing that person at work and it's something actually needs to be done. Now, a, a common theme over these last few weeks in particular, but, you know, I've had this for years during the work, you know, baggage reclaim, is wanting to see the best in others. There is this fear that so many of us have that if we call a spade a spade, if we see things for what they are, if we acknowledge that, yes, there could be this particular reason, but there is also this and that, we feel like we're being mean. We feel like we're making a judgment about the person. And it's like, I, I'm trying to see the best in others. And if I empathize and recognize what this situation is, and I have the appropriate boundaries, I feel like I'm being really, really harsh on them, that I'm not seeing the best in others. So here's the thing. When we empathize with somebody, it's genuine empathy where we are able to recognize where they might be coming from and where we still know the difference between us and them. It's not that we're judging them, we're judging the situation. There's a big, big difference. I think we have to make it far more complicated than we need it to be. And so for instance, when we consider ending things with a person who very clearly is not over their ex, either because we've basically recognized the very obvious signs or because they've actually told us, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm being mean, I'm making a judgment about them. It's like I'm saying, oh, you can't handle your feelings, you can't handle your past, you can't handle this. No, you're not. You're judging the situation. If you want a relationship and the person is not over their ex, the situation says, uh, you ain't going to get two plus two equals four here, right? It means that when you judge the situation, you judge yourself out of it because you realize that you're not going to be able to meet your needs via this relationship. It's not a judgment about them. It's judging the situation. Let's be real. A lot of us try to take shortcuts, okay? So it's all very well as judging somebody for not being over their ex, right? And being like, well, oh my gosh, like why would you go and start trying to date somebody? And, you know, what did they think that they were going to get out of me? They thought they were just going to like, I'm just going to like fix them all and they could escape their ex with me. Well, hell no. So we'll go through all of this. But actually, we know what it's like to to feel hurt, to want to avoid our feelings. And we don't, we're not necessarily setting out with the intention of let me go and use this person to avoid my feelings, although yes, sometimes people are. But I think that sometimes we find it difficult to be honest with ourselves about what we're feeling and why. And we then say to ourselves, okay, well, maybe if I, if I, I just give it another week, maybe if I really, really throw myself into this, then my feelings are going to change and I'm going to feel better about, about this. You know, maybe my feelings are entirely normal. And as soon as I'm really settled in with this person, then my feelings about the other person will go away. 
We try to take chances. We try to take shortcuts. We're all guilty of that at times. That doesn't mean that what they're doing is okay. But what it does mean from our side is that if we're aware enough of what is going on because we are empathizing and seeing what is going on, we can make the decision that we need to make. Let's talk about seeing the best in people. So practicing genuine empathy and really cutting back on the over empathy isn't about not seeing the best in others. What it is about, however, is not feeling as if we have a duty to manufacture it. Because when we look back at those instances where we've been over empathetic, it's quite clear to see that we've given ourselves a lot of creative license. That yes, sometimes we did use information that we were given, but often we piled a whole load of stuff onto it that didn't really need to be in there. We don't need to manufacture it. When we see the best in others as a part of our lifestyle, as a part of the day-to-day of how we are living our life from a place of love, care, trust, and respect. It is a byproduct, right? Not something where it's like, oh, I've just seen this thing about this person. Okay, how can I spin this into something more positive? No, there's just no need to do that. When we are coming from a place of empathy, what we do is we actually take our experience of somebody and use that information to guide our boundaries and our subsequent actions and choices. And if we don't know somebody that well, then we can get a sense of, okay, well, bearing in mind that I don't actually know this person that well, does that really fit all of the things that I'm thinking and saying and doing around this person? And use that to pull us back to being empathetic. The thing about uh, empathy and actually compassion, this little pal that it always joins up with, is that it is a full circle gig. So when I say this, I mean that just like with boundaries where if you're going to set a boundary for somebody else, then you also need to create that boundary for you too. With empathy, empathy is not empathy if it doesn't include you in it. Now, that's nothing to do with the over-empathy bit where you project and you insert yourself into the story and make up a whole load of stuff. It's that I hear from far too many people who are like, I'm so empathetic, I'm so empathetic, I'm such an empathetic person, and they never, ever empathize with themselves. And so the reason why they are over-empathetic is often because they show themselves so little empathy. It's like, yeah, oh my gosh, This person, they've done this particular thing. Oh my gosh, they must have had a terrible childhood. They must have had this, they must have had that. They must be going through this particular difficult time or whatever else. When it comes to their own stuff, failure, hate myself. I should have known better. Oh, well, I don't get a free pass on that. Yeah, I know that I had a difficult time in childhood myself, but it's my fault. It's because I'm rejectionable. It's because nobody wants me. It's because I should have tried harder with my parents. That's messed up. It's messed up. Um, We often don't realize that we're doing it. And so many of us have been guilty of it at times because we often extend far more empathy and compassion to others than we do to ourselves. But if we don't actually practice what we preach with ourselves, then it's we're leaving a lot on the table Uh, because it's a bit like going, um, I, I, I'm saying I'm empathizing with you, but actually what I'm doing is I am 
being the energizer bunny of people pleasing and saying and thinking all of these things because of what I'm not willing to acknowledge about myself. I'm going to give you all of this pity as a way to maybe hopefully get you to give it back to me so that I can feel good about myself. And that's another thing. A lot of people mix up pity and empathy. Pity is like when we have this sympathetic concern for the misfortune of others, right? When somebody tells us something, they share uh, their enemy's pain, a difficulty, whatever it is. Sometimes they don't even do that. Sometimes people just tell us information about themselves, not because they're trying to get us a pity them. They're just telling us something about ourselves or themselves. But when we respond by going ding, 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 ooh, I must now go and fix and heal and help this person. I must try to change them. That is coming from a place of pity, not empathy. We are reading what they share with us as misfortune. And then that is registering as, oh, that person has a need that I need to fulfill. And that's where we start to not only cross our own boundaries, but actually theirs as well. An example of this is I remember talking to somebody several years ago who had dated somebody who initially she actually hadn't been that interested in. And the relationship had come to an end uh, within a few months and she was really hurt by it. And when we delved into it, I was like, okay, tell me about what it was that swung you from not really that bothered to, oh my gosh, I'm really into this guy and I can see a future with him. Do you know what it was? They were on, I think it was maybe the second or third date, and he started to talk about when he had been widowed. And he had then raised, uh, I think it was like four or five children, obviously with some support from uh, family and friends. Anyway, the moment that he shared this with her, everything changed. And in moments, it was like she had already envisioned herself, you know, everybody like clinking glasses and celebrating like their anniversary or their marriage or whatever and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad that you came into his life and he was able to find love again. And, you know, how you basically saved him and look at what an amazing mother that you've been to his adult children. And this very quick imagining this fantasy, this sudden realization, oh, wow, like I can I can rescue here was then enough to basically hook her into the notion of being in a relationship with him. Here's the thing. Yes, he had been through those experiences, but he wasn't actually looking to be rescued. And so that is why the relationship did not continue. Compassion means recognizing that everyone has a backstory everyone is struggling at some point or another and not everything is about us because when people have things going on and we make it all about us then we already know that there's an issue around empathy there this doesn't mean that we dismiss our experiences but it's more that we recognize people's humanness instead of inserting ourselves into it and then calling it empathy we don't need to put ourselves at the mercy of anyone nor do we need to forget that something happened or press the reset button, something I talked about in the episode on forgiveness. What this really is all about is actually boundaries. Yes, I know it comes up again and again and again. Empathy is all about boundaries. And if you ain't got the boundaries, you ain't got the empathy. 
And when you have the boundaries, it's where you know where you end and others begin. And so when we are trying to be empathetic with others, we have to remember to know the difference between our feelings and someone else's feelings, our thoughts and someone else's thoughts, our stuff and somebody else's stuff. I'll hold my hands up and say there's been some times when the girls have gone through stuff at school and it has brought up so much emotion for me. Now, the thing is, if I lost the run of myself in that situation, right, I would make it all about my stuff. And so, for example, I think there was one incident where I know that one of them was struggling with you know, not being included, you know, in certain things and feeling isolated and sometimes being picked on. And thankfully, you know, it was, it was addressed and everything else. But at the time, oh, my gosh, I remember just suddenly feeling besieged by emotions. Now, of course, I had to acknowledge what I was feeling there. But I also realized that I had to make sure that I didn't lose sight of my child because otherwise I was going to conflate the two things, my experience and her experience. And I wouldn't really pay attention to how best, you know, to support her. And so, yes, of course, I had to acknowledge that little kid within me that was was uh, was feeling so much of that. And, and it was like transporting me back to childhood all over again. But I also had to really listen to and see her to make sure I was truly empathizing. And this is something that I see so many people go through, you know, and it's all part of the human condition, but it is just so easy to see somebody going through something and feel overcome by emotion and think that it's about that person. And it is in part, but actually not fully acknowledge about our stuff that is coming up in that situation. Knowing where we end and others begin means that we can have the compassion to acknowledge that someone has their issues and shortcomings and that they might fall and get back up and fall and get back up. And we don't have to try to fix them. We might recognize, for instance, that someone is a narcissist or certainly narcissistically inclined. And rather than make their behavior about us or design our life to continue being their victim or rescuer, we have the empathy that they can't. Because the thing is, if we are in a position to empathize and somebody is, let's call it empathy deficient, or maybe empathy intolerant. So if somebody else is that, we can't then try to make what they're doing about us. And I see this all the time. So people will come and they will tell me all sorts of stories. And they will be like, I just don't understand why they've done that. And they'll be talking about somebody who is at best narcissistically inclined or you know, potentially a full-blown narcissist. And I go, uh, of course you don't understand why they're doing it. Of course you can't wrap your head around it. Of course you can't put yourself in their mind. You are capable of empathy and they are not. So stop trying to make sense out of nonsense and start trying to work out from your end of things what you need to do from an empathetic and boundary place. This changes things because if you keep trying to, to draw water out of an empty well, well, you'll be there till kingdom come because nothing's going to happen. You'll be blue in the face, still trying to pursue this person for something that they don't have. 
I think as well that compassion can also be about seeing what we couldn't see before. I think what often happens is when we're over empathetic, the blinders go on. And when we finally step back and really start trying to have the boundaries that we need to, we start to recognize that somebody just didn't have the ability to feel what we wanted them to feel or to be or do what we wanted them to. And that, that, that compassion brings in the reality of things without it being something that turns into a judgment about us. And sometimes, you know, I, I mean, sometimes we encounter people who are very Machiavellian, who are very dog eat dog, very eat or be eaten type of mentality. Right. And that baffles us, particularly when we are over empathetic, when we are people pleasers. But the thing is, is that when we see it for what it is, empathy actually says, wow, it really sucks to be like that. I mean, imagine seeing the world from that kind of perspective, operating from that kind of way where it feels like, you know what, I'm going to screw people over or be screwed over. And with that empathy, you can see, wow, that person must be in a pretty dark place and I also need to step back. Okay, moving forward with this. You might be thinking, okay, well, how do I quickly recognize whether I am being over empathetic? And the Cartman drama triangle, you know, I've brought this up many a time on here, is very handy for this. This is that model of social interaction that basically explains basically all unhealthy dynamics, where basically it often focuses on two particular roles, which is the rescuer and the victim, but there's actually a third one of the persecutor. And so in any given situation where there is an unhealthy dynamic, somebody is playing rescuer, somebody is playing victim, and then they're often shifting around in the roles. And so, for instance, the, the rescuer calls out the victim because they're tired of doing the re- uh, uh, doing the rescuing and then the victim feels like the rescuer is persecuting and then maybe the rescuer feels like the victim is persecuting and round and round you go. Now, if when you empathize with somebody, you end up going into rescuer mode, you know, fixing, healing, helping, trying to change in mode, if you end up feeling victimized as a result of the empathy, so you empathize or or do what you think is empathy with that person. But now you feel like you are their victim as a result because of what you anticipate is going to happen now that you know this thing about them. Then you can see how the victim role is coming in there. Or if you do what you feel is empathy and as a result of acknowledging the situation, you immediately feel like you are their persecutor, like you're doing something horrible to them by one, acknowledging the truth or two, doing what you recognize that you need to do. That's where you know that over empathy is kicking in. Once you are able to acknowledge these, it's like, oh, hold on a second. How can I approach the situation? How can I think about the situation in a way that doesn't involve me taking on any of these roles? And the more that you strive to do that is the more that you are coming from a place of empathy instead of over empathy. The next thing to do is, and you may have sensed this coming if you've listened to enough episodes, what's the baggage behind it? Now, as I've been saying since I think episode two, in any given situation where we are coming up against frustrations, tensions, whatever with somebody, it's not that that person isn't getting on our nerves. It's not that that person isn't in the wrong, 
But when we look at the way in which we are responding and how they're responding, it's the baggage behind it that is dictating the responses. So it's not that we are not you know, upset or whatever over what is happening in the present, but we wouldn't be responding in the way in which we're responding if it wasn't for whatever we had going on in the past. And whatever is coming up is giving us an opportunity to address that in the present. Now, on the over-empathy side of things, it's looking, okay, well, what's the baggage behind my over-empathy? Now, quite simply, it may be habit. You can't, for instance, be a people pleaser, somebody who suppresses their needs, expectations, desires, feelings, and opinions, and not be over-empathetic. Because to be a people pleaser, you over-feel. You are over-attuned to other people's feelings and over-attuned to what you sense, what you perceive to be other people's needs. Somebody turns around and casually mentions something, and next thing it's like, wow, I felt that as a call to service. I now must try to meet that person's need. And I say this again and again, just because somebody has a need doesn't mean that you have to fulfill it. It's like just because somebody happens to be in your vicinity expressing that, it doesn't mean that you have to immediately go into people pleaser mode and fix it. Because the thing is, of course, is that when you go around doing all of this stuff, you're actually taking away from yourself, but you're also taking away from your intimate relationships where you actually really want to be investing your time, energy, efforts, and emotions. So look at like, okay, is this a habit? And where did I learn this from? So if like me, you grew up in an environment where talking about your feelings wasn't really the done thing. And when you did see what appeared to be displays of feelings, you sort of perceived it to be sort of in this sort of very high intensity drama mode, you might not be in touch with your feelings. You might not feel very comfortable with expressing your feelings. But also, you may have grown up with the idea that your needs, your feelings, your thoughts, your expectations, your desires are not important. So as a result, you automatically assign a higher priority to other people's needs, expectations, desires, feelings, and opinions. That's where over-empathy comes from. If you are over-responsible, so you grew up too soon, whether it was because you just assumed responsibilities or they were foisted upon you by circumstances or or directly you were told, hey, you know, basically you're taken over here, you're in charge because the parents aren't able to do it. That makes you over-responsible. And when you're over-responsible, you're going to be over-empathetic. You're going to take on way more responsibility. Now, if you are also in the habit of not taking care of you, So you don't tend to consider you in your day-to-day decisions and choices. You only really consider basically everybody else. Then of course you are going to be over-empathetic. Acknowledging these habits and where they come from helps you to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And it's important to remember, what lesson did you go to about empathy, compassion, boundaries, values, how to trust people, how to discern healthy relationships from unhealthy ones. Yeah, exactly. You didn't, right? So we've all been doing on-the-job training. And adulthood is about unlearning all of the unproductive and harmful stuff that we picked up along the way. And the way in which we get alerted to this stuff is when we keep coming up against the same issues time and time and time again. So there's no point in beating yourself up going, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I'm so over-empathetic. Loads of people have been. So try to have some empathy 
for you in these situations. And I can't stress this enough. Practicing empathy, as I said, isn't about, uh, you know, uh, now you can't see the best in people and you have to be really harsh about them. No, that's not it. But it's also not about dismissing your experiences. So, for instance, if like me, you have a parent who, uh, yeah, was pretty hardcore with you during childhood, you may, like me, recognize that your parents own upbringing as a big contributor to how they behaved. Understanding where your parent is coming from isn't to dismiss your experiences and be like, oh, well, they didn't have a good childhood and they experienced uh, neglect and abandonment and whichever else. So that's why they did what they did. But actually, the purpose of that empathy is actually to, yes, recognize where they're coming from, but also to start making how they treated you about something to do with your worth and seeing that person and humanizing them helps you to then put the boundaries in place that will help you to move forward from a place of love, care, trust and respect. One of the things that I suggest to people who find that they have a pattern of being rescuer mode is to keep it out of their intimate relationships and to find a constructive and boundaried way to channel those energies into, for instance, charitable work or something that gives them a sense of purpose, for instance, professionally. By doing so, I think that it really helps them to get into a grounded place within their relationships where they can practice more empathy. Now, I want to stress that even when we are, for instance, working in a charitable capacity, we still have to be careful of over empathy there because when we empower people, we help them to help themselves, which is very, very different to rescuing. And when we are going around sort of pitying people, we end up diving in and doing things for people that they can do for themselves or that, yes, they should be doing for themselves. And I think that one of the casualties actually of over empathy is that we prevent people from learning from the natural consequences of what they are doing from their choices. So we don't actually realize that we're robbing people of a lesson that they need to learn when we are over empathetic and we dive in there and we basically take on responsibilities that are not ours. So we basically cross our boundaries and theirs. Nobody really likes to be habitually pitted. Yeah, sure, we have our moments where, for instance, we've gone through something and we want people to kind of rally around and be like, oh my gosh, that's terrible and feel sorry for us, right? But generally speaking, unless we really are very, very wedded to the idea of having people feel that way about us all the time, nobody wants to really be pitted. Like we don't want to feel that the reason why somebody is staying in a relationship with us isn't because they love us, but because they feel sorry for us and they want to fix us. We don't want to feel that the reason... Uh, why uh, somebody spends their time around us is because they see us as a pet project. Nobody really wants to be pitied in that way. And so checking in with ourselves about this and realizing, wow, like actually I don't want to rob people of lessons that they need to learn, but I also don't want to be mixing up pity and empathy and causing people to to feel as if, you know, uh, that they're, they're an unfortunate person can really help to bring us back into alignment with genuine empathy. 
It's also very useful to acknowledge the hidden agenda behind over-empathy. So what is it that you were trying to get or avoid? It's always there. So by being over-empathetic and going down that line of thinking and perceiving that person's position from that particular place, what do I get out of that? Or what do I have to avoid? And so, for instance, it might be that as a result of that over-empathy, that you don't have to undertake the conversation that you know you need to have. You don't have to have that boundary. It could be that as a result of going down that route, you get to keep holding on to the illusion of what you think this person or this situation is going to turn into. When we acknowledge any hidden agenda, we have an opportunity to revise our motivations or be open and honest with the person about it. And if we can't be open and honest about it, then we know we have to let go of the hidden agenda. One of the things that I've realized is that genuine empathy feels good. It doesn't take anything away from us. We're not a lesser person as a result of empathizing. We don't suddenly uh, have to give up our boundaries. We're not suddenly inadequate, worthless, any of those things. So genuine empathy leaves us a better person, leaves us a more energized, happier person. But it also doesn't take away from others, even in instances where as a result of empathizing, we come to recognize that that person, you know, that we're not, it's not going to be workable, whatever we were planning moving forward. Yes, that can, you know, be disappointing, but it doesn't devastate us and it doesn't cause us to feel the sort of, I don't know, intense negativity towards that pe- person as we would in a situation where we are over empathetic and for instance, making it about something that we have to fix. So that's it for this week. See you next time and take care of you. If you would like to say hi, or you have a question, or you just want to let me know what you thought of an episode, the best place to get a hold of me is on Instagram at Nat Lou. That's N-A-T-L-U-E. There's also an email, podcast at baggagereclaim.com, and I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. All of these are in the show notes at baggagereclaim.co.uk forward slash 141. Don't forget that aside from the podcast that there is a blog, which is at baggagereclaim.co.uk or .com, and there you can find loads and loads of posts about everything from emotional unavailability to people-pleasing to how to distinguish unhealthy relationships from from healthy ones, as well as how to live and love with more self-esteem. You can also find a full list of episodes at baggagereclaim.co.uk forward slash podcast, where it also has information on how to subscribe. Please tell me that you're subscribed, as well as how to rate and review the show. Remember that every little bit helps in helping to spread the word about the show.